Everybody to another episode of Can You Dig It podcast by the Silver Screen and Roll Network. Back after a one week break, I was traveling for a wedding. Hani's gallivanting around Spain right now, so I don't even think he was watching this game on Sunday. So joining me, been on a couple times in the last uh, couple months. Alex Torres, Alex Bud. I don't even know where to begin with this Lakers game. Uh, what's just kind of your thoughts on a really winnable game that got away from the Lakers? Well, my first thought when you were doing this intro was I hope Hani wasn't watching this game because... I think yeah. he was at the Barcelona match. <laughs> I hope he was at the Barcelona match. This is the kind of game that just ruins your vacation, you know? Just <laughs> absolutely just gives you hope and then tears it all away. I mean, you know, this was a game I think a lot of people had kind of circled. Okay, this is a winnable game for the Lakers. They're at home, you know, after two crushing losses. And then crushing in the sense that, you know, they were outplayed against the Warriors and the Clippers both both times, right? And this is a game where you feel like, okay, they got Dame and stuff, but, you know, AD and Braun show up. They got a good chance to win this game. And, I mean, they did. I mean, they did. And at the end of the day, they just couldn't close it out and I guess we'll go into why that didn't happen but just a what a blow to to the morale for the fans for the players I mean oh and three and and here we go probably only gonna get worse from here yeah uh, it's I I have that jotted down this guy this was the winnable game of the the kind of the opening slate I'm not even really sure where to start we kind of were talking about this before uh we went live this game, just the way it ended, just was so unexpected, I guess, that it, it kind of sent me for a loop. I'd kind of resigned myself uh, to the fact that it looked like they were really going to win that game. They're up uh, eight points with 98-90. Uh, I guess we can just start here. It feels a little bit harsh to, to start on Russ after this game. Uh, They were up 98-90 with 442 left when he checks into the game. A lot of things transpired over the next four, almost five minutes. Uh, But ultimately, the play that everybody immediately kind of grabbed hold of was his pull-up jumper with the Lakers up one with 27 seconds left in the game. Uh, I'm not certain how much time was left on the shot clock. A lot. seemingly I I mean he was going for a two for one um I don't understand why going for a two for one up one um Darvin Ham had some quotes about it after the game uh he basically said he wished Russ would have attacked the run attacked the rim directly on that missed pull up with 30 seconds left uh said he was okay with him going for a two for one I mean, I expect a coach to say that. I'm not happy about that. Russ admitted he was going for a two-for-one. Uh, there was about 18 seconds left on the shot clock uh, when he missed it. Eventually leads to the Blazers getting the ball back, Dame getting a three to put them ahead. And, uh, again, a lot of things transpired after that. But I, as kind of a bigger picture of how the uh, Lakers ended the game, just 
what do you think of that that shot by Russ and that that the late game execution? You know, I, I think it's safe to say that the two for one doesn't make sense in that moment. You have the lead. I think you're focusing on getting the best look you can you can as an offense. From there, you're able to milk the clock as much as possible. You do have the lead, so even though you know Coach Ham is saying that's okay, just quite frankly, that doesn't make sense. First and foremost. Second, if we're going to go ahead and entertain this option, if we're going to say, hey, well, you know, it's a two for one, you know, it gives us two possessions versus one. Uh, I don't know if a Russell Westbrook jumper is my first option there, you know, and, and, you know, he drives to the basket, gets fouled, drives to the basket, gets, you know, kicks it out to a shooter, which is funny to say because there are no shooters, but kicks it out to AD or Braun, then you have at least something to work with there and and then you're okay with it. Uh, But yeah, absolute colossal just you know, moved by Russ. I mean, it's obviously everybody's focused on Russ is bad. Russ is, needs to be traded. This doesn't help that situation. That jump shot was just not good. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate because as I've said before, I'm a fan of his uh, from the past, but the, the reality is he just doesn't fit here. And I think a lot of people were upset that he checked in in that four minute mark. I mean, he goes in there and, you know, you have an eight-point lead, and all of a sudden, you're in a in a tight battle. Um, so I, there's some questions to be answered there as far as the substitution. But, you know, can he be a closer in this lineup? Can he be in that closing lineup for the Lakers? And I don't think so. No. I Point blank, no. Um, and Darvin Ham was uh, asked basically why he subbed in. Russell Westbrook late. He said he wanted another athletic defender on the perimeter to switch. I will say Russ and Russ has played pretty good defensively. The Lakers as a whole played really good defensively on Sunday. I want to talk about that more in a minute, but when it comes to Russ, it's almost impossible to try to look at those positives like him playing well defensively when he's four 15 from the field, zero of three from three and more importantly, just makes that play in that moment. Um, it, 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 Like I said when I started this, it feels harsh at times to always focus on him. I think the Lakers as a team did a lot of things wrong at the end of the game, but I don't know that anybody did anything louder than Russ, and that just seems to be the recurring trend that there's a lot of things wrong with this franchise and the way they've addressed the – Last year and a half, basically, uh, Russ is among them, but Russ's mistakes are always so loud that he kind of becomes this lightning rod. I mean, we're three games into the the season. What have you made of how Russ has played through the first week of, of action? You know, it's obviously no question that he is just ineffective on the perimeter offensively. I mean, just, you know, I think – a defense is looking at him like, okay, well, we can give him some space because he is not a threat whatsoever to shoot the ball, you know? And even when he drives to the hole, which was his patented, like, okay, where well, he has energy, he has a lot of bounce, he can go in there and get you some fouls, get you some free throws and or, or easy buckets, that's no longer there as well because he goes into the lane and it's kind of like you – it's a crapshoot. You don't know what you're going to get, you know? And he might have had one or two layups today at, like, third quarter, fourth quarter where I was finding, like, there you go, like – Get your layups, get your buckets there, you know, and uh, unfortunately, that's really all you have to look forward to. 
Um, to his credit, defensively, he seems a little bit better than he was last season. I feel like last season he was just lost and just didn't have any effort out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, it's just, it's not a good fit. Uh, but I do agree with you with, you know, with the take that, you know, he's unfairly getting blamed for a lot of this stuff and it's not just Russ, you know, let's be clear. There's a lot wrong with this roster. Russ being one of them, you can argue he's the main wrong piece here. However, let's, this is not just Russ gets traded and this becomes a, you know, contending roster. It's just not, we're not even close. Um, so yeah, you know, that's, that's my take. Yeah. That's basically been the Lakers stance. I wrote about it on uh, Friday that, well, I think it went up on Saturday. Adrian Wojnarowski was talking about how um, the Lakers basically are aware of trades out there that would make them better. They just don't make them a contender, um, which, I mean, that's ultimately the end game is to contend for a title when you have LeBron and AD playing at this level, which, again, we'll talk about here in a minute. But... um, that's just kind of the issue the Lakers have right now. And I don't really know what to do with, with Russ at this point. I think he's, he's borderline been a, a a positive player, just how well he's played defensively, but he's just such a, I guess lightning rod is the, the phrase I'll use is in that when things go wrong, everybody's looking at him. It was, hilarious um i want to say in the warriors game i didn't watch all the clippers game which it was a home over but the warriors game how opposing fans were cheering him to shoot when he touched the ball i thought was the most bizarre thing ever and there's there's a mental aspect to this as well that Mm -hmm. russ knows that he doesn't fit with this team i think to a certain degree he's trying which is more than he did last season. But this just – this isn't working. It's not good for anybody right now. And especially after a moment on Sunday when that that play happens, um, everybody's going to focus on that. Yeah. Part of the problem as well, as you mentioned, whether he can even be part of this closing lineup, in the last couple of games, including on Sunday, teams are putting their opposing center on him. Uh, they put the Clippers put Zubats on him on um, Thursday. And then on Sunday, the Blazers put Nurkic on him. Chauncey Billups said after the game, quote, putting him, putting him on Russ, we were just kind we were just going to kind of play off of Russ. Nurkic. That's what he did. He did. He hung around the paint and it added an extra body there that clogged up driving lanes for LeBron AD whoever it may be, Lonnie Walker, whoever it was. So I don't think he can be a part of a closing lineup. I'm not sure at this point what lineups he can be a part of. Um, <laughs> the, obviously, the whole, they tried the whole coming off the bench thing, and he may or may not have had an injury. He blames it on the bench. I, I still don't really know what to make of that, but I'm not really sure where Russ fits with this franchise right now. I don't know that there is a fit for him and the Lakers keep contending that they're going to wait. They're going to wait. They're going to be patient. Can they afford to wait and be patient and wait 20 games or until Thanksgiving with this whole Russ issue? 
Definitely not. I mean, I think it's two options. You either obviously make a move and hope for the best. And like you said, right, I think it's a huge point. You know, you trade Russ and you get one or two pieces that might come in and help. And that's great. Like the Lakers will be better and it's going to be a rejuvenation of sorts, you know, for this team, for this roster. But does it make you good enough to go against the Warriors, the Clippers, the Bucks, you know, the Nets? Uh, and I don't, you know, I don't think it's pretty clear that that's not going to be the case. So at this point, do you you waste another year of LeBron and AD and then just, you know, go into free agency with a lot of cap space? Uh, that's going to be falling off. So that's the real the conundrum, if you will, I think that the front office is looking at because those deals aren't appealing enough to be, hey, I'm willing to include two first-round picks and potentially get some, you know, season-saving moves that are going to catapult us into position to be like, okay, come playoff time, we're going to be scary or we're at least going to have a shot. Uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, it's like you can't afford to have them on the rocks for much longer, if I, in my opinion, but you know, are the Lakers looking at this season or the next season? I mean, that's the real question. It's fair. Uh, LeBron signed and AD and Rob Polinka are all signed through next season. So there may not be that urgency to do a deal right now. Part of the problem that Russ is adding to as well as the team's lack of shooting. Um, they caught fire on, on Sunday. They hit five whole three pointers in one quarter. <laughs> Uh, I wasn't sure what the NBA record was. I didn't look. They had to be closing in on it. Um, I could not believe it. They went 5 of 13 from 3 in the third quarter. Now, the other three quarters, they went 1 of 20. So <laughs> it wasn't wasn't all great. Uh, but that plays into part of a bigger issue that, that you mentioned, uh, I think, before we went live, actually, that when you look at those late-game possessions – I don't know who was on the floor for all of them, but specifically that final shot, I don't know how much LeBron could have done in three seconds, but um, if not for a complete and utter collapse by the Blazers in the possession beforehand, you have a scenario where ideally you want LeBron to get to the rim and either finish at the rim or kick out to a three-pointer. I don't know who you put out there if you need a three-pointer right now. Um, the Lakers just don't have options and that's becoming abundantly clear. Um, ESPN stats and info tweeted, uh, a stat that I thought I had pulled up. I, I did not, but it was something to the effect of the Lakers for, um, any team that shot over a hundred three pointers through their first, uh, three games, the Lakers, here it is. The Lakers are 25 of 118 from three-point range through three games. In NBA history, there have been over 6,100 instances of a team taking at least 100 threes over a three-game span. Their 21.2% is the second lowest of any of them, only ahead of a span from the 2018 Hawks when they shot 21%. What is the shoot? I, I've seen it both ways. Is the Lakers shooting was simply a, a really poorly sl- timed slump, or do you think that there's greater concern there? Oh, there's definitely greater concern. I mean, sound the fire alarm, do whatever you got to do right now. It's of genuine and grave concern that the Lakers can't shoot. I mean, you know, it's you have five players out there, and you're like, I don't know who can 
oh, make an open jump shot right now. I really, truly can't. And in that situation that we spoke about before uh, we got on here, you know, LeBron has no options to like, hey, let me kick it out to somebody. And potentially, you know, you live with that result. But, you know, AD, let's talk, let's start there, has been atrocious shooting the ball outside, what, 15, 17 feet, I would say. Yeah. And not, not to speak three. I mean, he's just been so bad. It's continued into this season as well. Um, so you right right then and there, it's just kind of like, okay, well, you can't go to him unless it's a lob or unless it's something, you know, short to the basket. Uh, and then everybody else, you're kind of just, hey, you know, it's it's a, it's legitimately a prayer. Uh, Pat Bev, you know, I thought there was some, you know, he shot the ball well last season. That just was not the case this year. Uh, you know, Lonnie Walker's probably the guy who, quite frankly, is, is the only person I can honestly say I have somewhat of a confidence. That's only because I'm forced to play that hand. But other than that, I mean, it's just, you know, they, you know, they had to sign Matt Ryan, who I had to look up, make sure it wasn't the quarterback for the Colts when they first <laughs> signed him. Um, I'm still not certain it's not. You know, so it's just kind of like, well, this guy legit making the roster because he can shoot the ball. And it's just unfortunate he can't do much more than that. But it's just, it's bad. It's really bad. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of this debate of process versus results. Um, if you look at where the Lakers are getting their shots, they are in the, uh, they rank sixth best in the league in terms of frequency of shots at the rim. 39% of their shots are at the rim. Uh, They're seventh in corner three-pointers. They're 28th in non-corner, or 13th, excuse me, in non-corner three-pointers. And they're ninth in overall threes. So basically what that means is their shots are coming at the rim or at the three-point line, which is what you expected from Darvin Ham coming from Milwaukee. Milwaukee ranks right up there with the Lakers in just about every one of those. That's the type of system he was bringing over um, is adapting the Lakers to modern basketball, basically. So that was all from cleaning the glass. Cleaning the glass has a stat that is location effective field goal percentage, which effectively means based on the shots the Lakers are taking, what should their effective field goal percentage be? It should be 54.8%, which would be fourth. If they just shot average at every spot based on their shot profile, they should rank fourth in the league if they were just average. After today, they rank 30th, dead last in the league. So it's a matter of, as I said, the process is good. The shots they are getting is what they want. Who is taking the shots none of this accounts for? Do you want... I mean, you obviously don't want Russell Westbrook taking these shots. Austin Reeves hasn't exactly lit the world on fire. Kendrick Nunn has just completely disappeared from his uh, strong start in the preseason. Uh, Lonnie Walker has been decent, but um, not great. Um, And it's just up and down the list. Patrick Beverly has struggled from three. None of these guys you particularly want taking three-pointers right now, but the Lakers don't have any options. So, yeah, I'm concerned about this as well because I I don't think this is as simple as like a, um, oh, eventually they'll make shots and it'll be okay. Like, they will eventually make shots, and there will be some positive regression. There are various other stats about their shooting percentage on open and wide open threes. They won't be this bad over the course of the season. This would be 
by far the worst historical season shooting if this were to continue. So they're not going to be this bad, but they're not going to be good. Through three games, who do you think leads the Lakers uh, in three-point percentage, not named Matt Ryan, who did not play on Sunday? Mm, That's a good one. I'd have to say it's between LeBron or Lonnie. That would be my guess. LeBron is second. Austin Reeves is first. Oh, Now, do you think his shooting percentage is over or under 30%? I want to go under. 28%. (laughs) 28. 28.6%. Currently leads the Lakers in three-point shooting outside of Matt Ryan, who has five threes and made two of them. Otherwise, Austin Reeves is the Lakers' leading three-point shooter at 28%. Kendrick Nunn has shot 23%. LeBron's 25%. He should get two misses for that air ball he had from the logo on Sunday. Uh, Pat Bev's 21%. AD's 20%. Lonnie Walker, you have a different picture of Lonnie Walker because he is 17%. Uh, Juan Toscano-Anderson is 12%. Russ is 8%. All those guys have taken at least two three-pointers per game and have played uh, all three games. This is really bad. Like, I, I, it's hard to – I do think this would improve, but this roster is not built to excel under Darvin Ham. I like what Darvin Ham is doing. This, this front office has not given him a roster to succeed right now. Absolutely. I think I saw a tweet from somebody during the game where it was just like, you know, it's you kind of feel sorry for Darvin Ham. I mean, this is what you get to start your head coaching career. And uh, first of all, you know, first give him credit because they played defense, you know, with a certain energy that just was, you know, inspiring as a fan. Like, hey, at least they're trying out there. You know, they can't make a shot to save their lives. But, hey, they they got a lot of steals called, you know, created a lot of turnovers and AD was just phenomenal defensively on both ends, to be honest with you. Uh, but defensively just, they couldn't go to the rim. You could tell that the Blazers in the third quarter really kind of had some hesitation there to go to the rim because he was there. And that's what really kind of got the Lakers, you know, the ability to turn that third quarter over. And there was that energy defensively that I think leads to those open shots and those better looks offensively. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's so unfair. I think in his situation where it's just kind of like, you know, what can he do? What more can he do? Obviously, we can criticize the, you know, the move to put Russ in there with about four minutes left. But other than that, I mean, he, he in my opinion, especially this game, you know, was flawless with, with the, you know, defensive schemes and just, you know, that energy that they brought to the floor today. But there's just no way to get beyond the shooting. Like, there's no way that you cannot have a basketball team in this day and age that cannot make jump shots. Just can't. Cannot hit threes. Um, and it goes back to, you know, we've been saying this before the season started. This isn't some new revelation. This isn't, we saw the roster. Anybody with two eyes can see, Hey, who's going to shoot the ball here. And here we are. And, you know, that's the one thing about this loss at the very least you can say, Hey, uh, for an office, Hey, Mr. Plinka, who just got his extension. Like, can we get us some shooters please? Because that could be, you know, at the very least, as I said before, a breath of fresh air to this roster where at least. Braun can, you know, drive to the basket, create that attention, and he has somebody to kick out to. You know, I long for the days of KCP. I long for the days of Danny Green. Like, this is nuts. Like, I never thought I would say that. And we truly miss those players because, man, how good we had it back then. We didn't even know it. Even Kuzma. 
He Kuzma. A, yes. I think he had a triple double in uh, one of the first games of the season. But yeah, this team, um, it's in a it. The roster is very flawed right now. I don't think that their woes will continue. They won't continue the whole season. I don't know when they're turning around. I thought it was. It feels like right now they're shooting the ball well aware of how bad they're shooting the ball. Like these shots don't feel fluid necessarily. A lot of them are like early and um, kind of their first look at, at an open shot. Like it, it feels to me like their mindset is, well, we have to eventually start making them. And they did in the third quarter, but that's been about the only quarter this season that they've shot the ball decently well. And other than that, the other 11 quarters, it has been putrid. Um, let's look at some some positives. We've alluded to a couple of them. Let's end this podcast with some positives in the second half of it. We'll dive into all that here in just a minute. So let's start off. I want to start off with AD because I thought AD was absolutely incredible on Sunday. His stat line, I thought does not do justice to the game he had 22 points, 10 rebounds, three assists, two steals, six blocks. He did have five fouls, which did hinder him in the Lakers late, but AD was that looked like a man looking to get defensive player of the year and kind of reestablish himself as 2019, 20 AD. What'd you think of him on Sunday and really through the first three games this season? I mean, he's just been nothing short of incredible. I mean, it's it's kind of funny because the first mention of AD that I did today was him not being able to shoot the ball, which is probably the only thing he can't do because everything else, he was just absolutely incredible. Um, defensively, you know, just an anchor down there. I mean, the Lakers, you know, with him on the floor, it's such a difference defensively and opposing offenses are going to have, you know, to, to contend with that. He's such a, you know, a rim stopper and he allows – the guards to play aggressively on, on the opposing guards and being able to really check them up because he knows, you know, you got AD behind you. You have a security blanket like no other at the end of the day. So just absolutely, you know, and that defense really led to some easy buckets for the Lakers early on. I mean, the Lakers started off this game amazingly. Where it was in, they were up 9-2, um, turnover after turnover, you know, easy buckets. Rust, you know, had an easy bucket as well. Uh, just that's what you're like, okay, well, this looks good. Can we sustain it? You know, that's really the thing. But, you know, at no fault to Anthony Davis. He's just absolutely, you know, he goes off the floor. There's a huge dip on the defensive end for the Lakers. Um, and then offensively, you know, he really was aggressive out there today. I mean, he really took it, you know, to the hole. And, you know, he had some easy passes. Dunk, Dunk had a couple of loops, one from Kendrick Nunn that I thought was beautiful um, and just incredible. And, you know, I think I tweeted something to the likes of, you know, when he's on the floor, the Lakers are just, you know, they can compete, you know, because he impacts it on both ends so well that, you know, the irony is that every time he hits the floor, I, you know, gasp for air. <laughs> but, you know, when he's on there and when he's, you know, dialed in as he's be he's been in these three games, like, that's what makes it even worse. Like, I wish they had better people around him because he's so amazing. LeBron is defying all odds over here with, you know, against Father Time. And we have this, you know, group around him. Like, what a waste. Yeah, 100%. AD's six blocks were the first time he's had six blocks since February of 2020. Um, that would have been about two weeks before the league shut down. 
he did that against the Pelicans. It's the fourth time he's done it with the Lakers, but obviously all of them have come, all of them prior came in that 2019-20 season. Actually, they all came in about a month and a half. January 5th, February 21st, February 25th were the three occurrences as a Laker before Sunday. Especially that third quarter, I thought, tonight when uh, or today, I guess it was a, a noon game. Um, I thought he was the catalyst for everything on both ends of the floor. Uh, the, the Lakers were getting out and running, like you said, because of blocks or steals from AD. He was finishing at the rim. He was dunking. He he looked uh, kind of the athletic, high-flying, just overwhelming monster that he was in that 1920 season. Um, you're not wrong. I gasp as well every time he goes down. I, I kind of hold my breath for a second to make sure that he didn't – something catastrophic didn't happen. Um, but – he keeps getting back up, even with that that fall he took on Thursday against the Clippers. Uh, he keeps getting back up and keeps playing incredibly well. And as you said, him and LeBron, there has been not, hardly anything you can fault those two for through the first three games. LeBron with a very casual 31-8-8, eight eight, a couple steals, couple blocks, 12-22 of 22 shooting, um, I'm it's always so weird with LeBron cuz anytime you don't think he plays particularly well he has a stat line like this <laughs> maybe the the airballed 3 and the the game winner at the end that missed hung on my mind a little bit too much but ultimately LeBron has been absolutely incredible as well through the first 3 games how much is it i mean you kind of mentioned it i mean what does it feel like those two at least are back to the, the 1920 versions of themselves? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you Bron attacking the rim is just really amazing to see, right? It's just, he's so strong. And I mean, who wants to stand in front of that? Right. I mean, nobody on the blazers, apparently when the game, came <laughs> online, they just absolutely vacated the lane. Yeah. That was, that was the easiest uh, time basket. I think he'll ever have. Um, yeah. It's just, you know, he's, so strong still, and just again, you know, they have that commercial with uh, uh, the guy from Aquaman about Father of Time, which is you know very funny. But you know, it's true. Like it's well, you know, at what point does the decline begin? And you know, granted, he's been hurt, and you know, a lot of people will point to a lot of missed games during his Lakers tenure. But at the end of the day, when he's out there, he is just still, you know, athletically and and you know superior to others, you know, at year in year 20 or year, whatever this is, 19. Um, it's just something that quite frankly, we take for granted. I think, you know, we mm-hmm. don't really appreciate the greatness he's in a pass, you know, Kareem this season and, you know, in points. So, you know, the longevity he's had and, you know, again, we're trying to be positive here. And I know that's what you mentioned. And I apologize for veering off to the, to the deep end, I guess you can say, but again, it's just such a shame that he's playing at this level and we didn't put a competitive team around him. And we can't. And we won't, if we're being honest. And yeah, the LeBron and AD, they can carry you a lot of places together, but they can't, like, they need something around them. And that's what we're very quickly realizing. This team's always going to be competitive with those two. And. They've been competitive. I guess a Warriors game they weren't, but the other two they were competitive with LeBron and AD. They got to have guys around them. 
They don't have them now. Now the guys they do have around them, and you've kind of mentioned this, are playing defense at a really high level, which again kind of plays into the idea that the process feels all right right now. On Sunday, uh, Blazers had 19 turnovers. Uh, the Lakers had nine steals. Um, they had nine blocks. Obviously, six of those coming from AD. Uh, they defensively they were superb. Um, they had 19 fast break points, 66 points in the paint. Good lord, uh, and 19 points off turnovers. So that's what they want. And that's a way to get around not being able to shoot the ball is create turnovers, get out and run, finish at the rim. Defensively, this isn't a group necessarily that's filled with great defenders. Lonnie Walker, I know made the joke or made, he made the comment about being a good defender during his kind of intro presser that became a bit of a joke because he has not been that. But players like him, Russ has not been a good defender for years. Um, they're turning these guys into competent defenders. How encouraged are you with the defense the Lakers have played so far? Oh, that's, I, I would argue, one of the most encouraging starts or parts of the start of the season. You know, I think it's a testament of two things. One, AD's healthy and, and he's motivated out there, right? And we've talked already about it. Uh, and also, I guess the most you can argue even more importantly is that they've bought into Darvin Ham. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, again, you know, it's not Darvin Ham's fault they can't shoot a jump shot, but in the areas that they are affected by the motivation of him and what's going on within the locker room and in those huddles, is that hey, you know, we're gonna play hard for him and 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 defensively it shows. I mean, you know, it's always nice when you have a person like AD behind you. It kind of you know you know you have that cushion. Uh, but I think him setting the tone on top of just, you know, really buying into Darvin Ham has really been the difference. And that's what gives me a little bit of hope. You know, if, if for whatever reason there's a trade that, you know, makes us a little better and that defense just becomes kind of the, you know, what this team really kind of hangs on to, then I think, you know, that's how you win basketball games and that's what gets you in the playoffs. And so, yeah, truly to today I, I think was absolutely just, so refreshing to see your team try hard on defense and to really see them poke those balls, you know, make it really difficult for the Blazers to really score in the paint. I mean, again, in that third quarter, we're going to, that's really the the best quarter we've seen them play all season. And a big part of that is because, you know, ADs was just absolute force, you know, and there was, I think a sequence there where he, you know, there's, he makes a shot, gets a block, and then it leads to another two points. And, you know, we were down going into the half and that third quarter next, you know, we're up. So, you know, it's just an absolute, you know, delight to see them play defense. And I think even more credit to them is the level they're playing defense at when they're not shooting the ball well. Because more often than not, when you struggle shooting the ball, you're struggling offensively, you carry that to the other end of the court. That's especially on Sunday, that didn't happen. I tweeted this and I earnestly don't even mean this like disparagingly. Russ has not been good. But the level he's put, like the effort, the energy level he's bringing to the defensive end has been a positive. And he had the sequence or uh, really the, the game against Kawhi on Thursday. Like defensively, mm-hmm. this is as, it's definitely as good as he's played in back to back games for the Lakers. It's probably been about as good as he's played defensively since like Oklahoma City, maybe. Yeah. Um, 
And I mean, there are positives there. It's just you wish that there were some shooters that were playing good defense. Um, it's just such a, a an odd situation the Lakers are in right now. And the problem is they don't really have any kind of room to figure things out because over the next week before uh, ne- before our next episode, they'll play the Nuggets in Denver on Wednesday, oh, sh- the, the Timberwolves uh, in Minnesota on Friday, and then Denver again on Sunday. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking further ahead. They'll then play New Orleans before playing Utah. That Utah game is about the only truly winnable game. They play Utah a couple times and then first about 10 or 12 games. I don't know that this doesn't get a little bit uglier before it gets better. I Again, the process in general has been good, but how long are Lakers fans, Lakers front office, the Lakers themselves, LeBron, going to let the results continue to, like, go the wrong way before there's more criticism. Do you see a win in either of those upcoming three games at Denver, at Minnesota versus Denver before next Sunday? Uh, No. I mean, there's no win there unless the game is in LA and the opposing team goes out the night before. (laughs) I don't know if uh, didn't let me look if Denver has a back-to-back where they get to spend the night in Los Angeles before they do. Well, they play Monday uh, or no, excuse me. I had it wrong. They play Friday in Utah and then Sunday in Los Angeles. I would imagine that they're not going to spend the night in Utah and instead will come to Los Angeles on Saturday. So Denver could have, um, some undefeated LA nightlife syndrome for that yeah. game. And I think they might actually beat the Lakers so bad the first time that they're, <laughs> <laughs> they're going into the second game thinking like, oh, okay, we got this. We can go out tonight. So that might be the only like logical thing. I might actually have to put some money into that because it just seems like Reverse that's psychology. the only. Yeah, the Lakers, yeah. The Lakers really should throw the game on Wednesday so that they can further guarantee a win on uh, yeah. Sunday. Yeah, I like that. Let's see how that yeah. works for them. You know, at that elevation, you know, in Denver, it's just kind of <laughs> like, you know. You take the L, but you you know you take one pawn and you know you get the pawn stolen. So, uh, you know, but you know, just I wanted to add something back to the defense real quick before we go on. Um, since we're trying to be positive, I think that's the one area that Russ, you know, that Kawhi exchange was amazing. First of all, and then second, when he's on the open floor like that, that's the the best version of Russ. He's not gonna go down from basket to basket and dunk it on you as much as he used to, like in his OKC days. Uh, but he still has had some passes where he threads the needle a couple times. And I'm just like, whoa, like that was a nice dime, you know? And when he has the open floor, he has people running around him like Lonnie Walker or it's AD or even if it's Braun, that's when he's most effective. And I think that is only, you know, possible if they're, you know, playing defense. So, you know, he is and he's done better. So, again, we're being positive here. So I'm going with that. We're going to end on that positivity because I don't know that there's much more else we can be positive about after the Lakers have gone 0-3. It's, it's a bleak start. Like I said, I don't know that it's going to get better before it gets – or yeah, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Absolutely. Um, and they got some figuring out to do. I don't know 
how much all this losing is going to put pressure on the Lakers front office. We'll see because it's only going to continue. Um, that Buddy Heald and and Miles Turner are I mean Miles Turner hasn't played, but that deal's looking better and better. I watched the Hornets the other night. Gordon Hayward looking awfully intriguing uh after the lack of yeah. wings that the Lakers have. So uh I don't know how much they may revisit some of these deals, but they need to do something, and that's becoming uh glaringly apparent. Alex, as always, thank you for coming on. Let the people know where they can uh find you and your work at. Yeah, I'm over at Lakers Outsiders. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Alex, Dor- Alex Torres underscore 11. Uh, yeah, so follow me for some pessimistic takes and uh, some decent gambling advice. That's the only positive I will say. The Lakers might be 0-3, but I am 2-0 in my uh, bets. So, you know, yeah, we're going in opposite as, directions. I am as well. I've bet, mainly just been betting on AD, his uh, points prop bets. And- yeah. I didn't do. I didn't bet on Sunday. The first two games, he hit the over. So, shout out to AD. I'm I'm riding that wave as long as he's playing well. So, appreciate you coming on. We'll be back. Uh, I'll be back with Hani next week after that Nuggets game. It could be pretty bleak again in that one. Uh, we'll have coverage throughout the week of the rest of the games. So, be sure you guys are subscribed to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network, and we'll talk to you later.